0: Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick and this is episode number 21 of the Mandolins and Beer Podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe, and also brought to you in part this week by my favorite place to play music in Charleston, South Carolina, Prohibition. That's uh, downtown King Street, and if I'm in town, I'm playing there every Saturday and Sunday for their brunch. They got great food, great drinks, great beer, and great service. It's the best brunch in Charleston, and I say it every week because I mean it. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2020. What a year last year was, and I'm excited for this year as well. Got some great mandolins and beer stuff lining up. Uh, three great interviews already coming up for the new year. Uh, Casey Campbell, Kim Warner, uh, and Andrew Marlin from Mandolin Orange. So those are really exciting. And uh, this week is uh, is an exciting one. It's kind of, again, kind of a special, special edition. It's going to break format from some of the others a little bit. Because um, this is the first one that I ever got to do in person. And I did it with uh, not only one, but two incredible mandolin players. Jared Walker, who plays with Billy Strings, and Tristan Scroggins, who does tons of things. Um, And Tristan, a big thank you to him again. It was last minute. Uh, Jenny Lim was originally going to do it, and uh, she was under the weather. So I messaged Tristan, and he filled in literally uh, uh, last minute. So he rolled in after we had already started. So I want to thank Tristan once again. Um, Tristan has some uh, great things coming out. He's just redone his website. So I'm going to have a link to that at mandolinsandbeer.com. He also is starting a Patreon page. That is going live. Um, I think it might have actually just gone live, maybe yesterday. So go to that. He's going to have music and transcriptions. And if you're familiar with what he does on Instagram, you're going to want to check out his Patreon as well. It's reasonably priced. He's got a few different tiers. And he's also sent me a link to some Bluegrass Underground um, magazines that he's been doing archival work for. and uh, so the link will be on mandolinsandbeer.com. You can also get it on Tristan's website as well, I believe. And he does talk a little bit about it on the podcast. Go check out Jared as well. Jared playing with Billy Strings, but he's also got some Walker Brothers shows coming up. Um, and I've got some info from Jared here for it. So they're they're down in the Florida area. So Sunday, the 12th of January, he's got a house concert in Tampa. Tuesday, the 14th, they have a church show in Brandon. Wednesday, January 15th at Craft Kip Coffee in Plant City. And Sunday on the 19th of January, Isla Murata, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but it's the Baygrass Festival. So be sure to check that out. Also, in the next few days, I'm going to post, We after this podcast was done, we, um, we played a couple songs and jammed on those, and I was trying to get those all mixed and ready to post with this podcast, but one of the tracks has slipped out of place here, and so I'm trying to line it all up and run it out of time. But I think I'm going to upload those to YouTube, I believe, so... Um, if you uh, follow my Instagram or my Facebook page or com, I'll post those uh, links to those there in the next few days. Um, also, speaking of videos, I will post videos. What was great about doing this in person was Tristan and Jared uh, had mandolins with them. And so when we talked about some things like the uh, the things they would work on or things that they do work on daily, they were actually able to play them. And I videotaped a couple of the examples with Tristan and Jared, and those will be available at mandolinsandbeer.com, right where this podcast will be listed. There'll be links right below it with those. And uh, other than that, that's about it. Happy New Year, everybody. Um, they talk about some great stuff in this podcast. There's some great Hartford stories. They talk again. Tristan um, tease a little little project with him and David Benedict on his podcast, and they tease it a little bit more, and it's amazing. I can't share any details, but I can't wait. So be sure to check this out, and be sure to check out Tristan's websites. Go see Jared if you're in the Florida area. Go to mandolinsandbeer.com, and if you have a few seconds here in this New Year's Day or whenever you're listening to this, if you can go to iTunes podcast and just rate and subscribe to this, and maybe leave a comment. I would really, really appreciate it. It means a lot, and it gets it up on the charts. So here you go, and oh, one more thank you, Smith & Lentz Brewery. If you are in Nashville, go to East Nashville, go to Smith & Lentz. They have incredible beer, and the people who work there are unbelievably nice, and they have great merch. I'm wearing a shirt right now as we speak. So cheers, everybody. Have a happy new year. I'm looking forward to 2020. Thanks for everything. All right, check one, two. Looks good. Hey, hey, Record hey. is on. Check, check. All right, this is the first live podcast. This is the first in person. I've got Jared Walker. Jared, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Hey, good to be here. Yeah. Nice, to, nice to see you in person. Yes, yeah,
0: same here. Same here. We're at Smith and Lentz in East Nashville, who are kind enough. You can maybe hear the uh, crowler in the background right now. Uh, canning some beers, but we're here drinking some beers, playing some mandolin. I think Tristan Scroggins is going to stop by here as well. So
1: Yeah, nice li- last-minute surprise. Yes,
0: that's right. Jenny Lynn was supposed to be on here, if you listen to the podcast. And um, Jenny Lynn is sick, unfortunately, so she had to cancel this morning. So I hope she's feeling better. But Jared, how are you doing? You just got back from a lot of shows on the road.
1: A lot of shows, yeah. As, essentially, 12 weeks of touring with a few days home, in the middle of all that, you know, maybe 5 or 6 days home and in 12 weeks or so. Wow. And most recently just got back from Denver, did a 3-night run over at the Ogden Theater, which was really fun. I
0: looked I saw a lot of pictures and video and it looked amazing.
1: Oh yeah, it's an amazing space.
0: You um you guys have such a unique connection with your fans. Um like there's a lot of people who go to shows, but man, that the fan interaction and the amount of love for you guys and the whole band like is is amazing
1: yeah it's it's really a, a unique thing it's really uh really blessed to be in the situation that i am and i know we all feel that way it's uh you don't really think when you're when you're starting out that it's really even a possibility <laughs> right right yeah. to, to do it full-time I mean, sure you know, yeah. five years ago i wouldn't have expect it to be in this position right right so it's it's really it's really nice
0: that's so cool well you guys work hard too like you say 12 weeks you know that's that's not just lucking into that's a grind so you guys are out there crushing it and working hard and getting finally seeing the uh, payback from that that's amazing
1: yeah it's uh it's been a good it's been a good run and you know we've got we've got a couple more shows till the end of the year and yeah, a couple New Year's shows. Yeah, it's so awesome, man. Where are you doing the New Year's shows at? Are those in Michigan? In Michigan, I I believe Detroit and Grand Rapids. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah, well, that's my old my old home state there. So. Oh, that's right. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, actually, I um I, I met Billy a few years ago, and um was talking to him, and he used to skateboard in the parking lot of this bar that I used to play like once a month up in Traverse City. Oh no! I think way. he lived like right across the street. So yeah. And then just to see the success now of, like, this kid who at the time was just playing with Don Julin at first and just playing, like, little coffee houses or, you know, right. open mic nights in my old home <laughs> state is so amazing. So congrats on all the success, man.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah.
0: And, yes. and, and, and actually, the show, I'm, I'm in town to go to the show tomorrow night. Um, you guys have, it's a second annual show. It's a fundraiser, which is amazing, which is, a, again, a thing that not a lot of bands always do. You know?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh I I believe I, I don't want to misquote it, but I, I believe it's uh like homeless uh either awareness or just giving back to the community kind of thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Which so is a
1: noble cause. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And so it's, that's amazing. And then um there's a lot of special guests listed on the poster. Do you guys um do you already know what songs you're gonna be playing yet or is it gonna be kind of a uh I mean last minute surprise or do you
1: well, we're trying to do some more Christmas songs this year, yeah. which is which is cool. Um, you know, after all, it is a Christmas show, um, but it's not going to be exclusively Christmas music. Mm-hmm. But there there have been a few songs that I have been learning the the past you know few days or so, and I was learning one song called Christmas Lullaby, and I, I thought it was this Amy Grant song. Turns out it's not, and. I had already charted out that song, and you know, I already did all that. So, so I was like, "This is the one we're talking about." And you know, Billy said, "No, we're actually doing a this Doc Watson song called Christmas Lullaby." I was like, "Okay, well, I actually like that one better." Yeah, yeah, I bet. (laughs) But, but yeah. So I charted that one out, and then I charted it out in the wrong key. So, oh well. Yeah, that's. (laughs) That's great. Oh my God, it's so funny to think though. Like, I didn't even know.
0: I guess. There was a, a Doc Watson version of one, I probably would have made the uh the same mistake.
1: So Yeah. It you know, you do the Spotify search and it doesn't come up. It's, <laughs> right, like, right. it's like I guess this is what it is.
0: Or, or I would have been like, Amy Grant, is Vince Gill gonna be here? Right, yeah. <laughs> is Vince, Vince Gill gonna be at this show? Yeah. I so. wish. Yeah, no kidding. So um and um real quick too, I, I we should we should give a shout out. We should do a little gear thing. We talked a little bit about your gear, um, but we've had two Updates to gear, sort of thing. So first off, is you're going to be working on a new pedal board later today?
1: Yeah. So I am pretty much in the dark when it comes to electronics. I, I'm I'm getting better at it, but uh-huh. but when I when I started playing with this band, I didn't have any pedals, and I I didn't have a pickup in my mandolin. I didn't, you know, I, I played into a mic because I never needed a pickup, and, right. and and a mic always sounds better, you know. But, uh, but yeah, so I am building a new pedal board, uh, essentially the same pedals, but it'll be a, a larger pedal board, the same size that, that Billy uses. Oh, cool. Um, and I'm going over to his house later because he knows how to make cables and that kind of stuff. Oh, nice. So that there's not a bunch of uh, like wires hanging around <laughs> right right, you know, so you, you can get it exact and your pedal board will look really clean right. Um, but yeah, so uh, the coolest thing about this new pedal board is the switcher that is going to be on there, mm-hmm. which it's like a, it's like a rectangular box, and all your pedals plug into this box, and it's got eight different buttons, so you switch your different pedals on by stomping on those buttons nice. rather than your individual pedal. Sure. And if one of your pedals is messing up or if it's not getting enough power, mm-hmm. generally you'll have to unplug everything one at a time and find out where the problem is in your chain. But with this, it only affects that one pedal. Oh wow. So everything else will work fine? Nice. So it, yeah. it, it'll, you know, it's good for problem solving and, <laughs> That's and that perfect. kind of stuff. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Cool, man. Well, I can't wait to hear it. I'm, I guess you're going to use it Saturday night.
1: If, uh, you know, <laughs> if I, God willing. <laughs> all goes well. Yeah. <laughs> nice. The creek doesn't rise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then you also have a few mandolins here with you today. And um, I'd love for you to tell the story because if, if this isn't the best definition of customer service by a company that I've ever heard of in my life. I don't know what is. So if you want to maybe do a little backstory on this,
1: yeah. So I I was having some problems with the tuners on my mandolin, and I I sent an email to Wes and Will Weinman. They're the builders of my Weinman mandolin. And and I told them about it, and they got right back to me, and and they called me the next day, and. And we talked about it, and they're like, "Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna come to come to Nashville and take a look at your mandolin." And, and I I was stunned because that's you know that's a five-hour drive from, yeah. from Asheville to Nashville, and they they picked up the mandolin, took it back to Asheville, and they're driving back today to bring it to me. And in the meantime, they lent me two loaner mandolins, which are just fantastic and they're sounding better the more that i play them i don't think they've been played all that heavily right right but every day they you know they're opening up and you know so it was it was really overly generous of them to do that so that is amazing so go buy a Weinman mandolin today yes absolutely that's great <laughs> man what a story i mean Asheville, no less
0: and now we've been joined by Tristan Scroggins. Tristan, how's it going, man? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. We got a mandolin, mandolin meet up here. So thank you, thank you for coming, man. I I test, texted or messaged, instant message Tristan this morning, like Jenny Lynn's sick. I live nearby. Do you want to stop by and play? So yeah. Did you bring a mandolin with you by chance, or no? I didn't think
2: to bring a mandolin to the mandolin podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you bring a beer? Didn't bring a beer.
0: Uh, that's all right. That's okay. I, uh, we know the beer reason. We might be able to. We might be able to work something out for you on the mantel in <laughs> front shortly, though. So, yeah. so how you doing, Tristan? Oh, I'm pretty
2: good. You know, just been working through the winter and uh, nice. working on some different projects, getting ready for next year.
0: Oh, cool, man! So, what do you got going on in the? Uh, we haven't discussed this yet with you, but what do you got going on in the new year? Um, I know last time we talked, you had a top secret project that you just teased a little bit with you and David. I don't know if anything has been. Continues
2: to be secret, <laughs> although Jared's also involved, so. Oh, But whoa. it is a secret, so. Oh, yeah. It's top secret. Top, top secret. Oh, man. Secret. That's amazing. <laughs> Classified. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's that going on, and then I have a, a record with my uh, duo called Scroggins and Rose. Yeah. That's coming out in um, March, probably. Um, so we're doing some stuff around that. And then I've been working all this year um, with John Hartford's family, like working for them, archiving a bunch of his stuff. And uh, just last month, they put together a CD of uh, John. When they were going through his stuff, they found um, these like spiral notebooks that had uh, thousands of tunes that he wrote that he never really recorded um, and probably only played once or twice, but he wrote them all out and uh, they put, about 170 of them into this book called John Hartford's Mammoth Collection that they released last year, or this year, I guess.
0: Right.
1: It's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, no kidding. That's it, amazing.
2: It's a beautiful book. It's a really great history book, but they made a record this last month of a bunch of folks playing some of those tunes that had never been recorded. like, uh, And it's got a lot of great people on it, like uh, 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 like Brittany Haas and Dominic Leslie and Jordan Tice, Paul Cowart. Kristen and uh, Chris Eldridge, Matt Combs, Don McKelney, And then they asked me to do a couple of songs, and so me and Megan Lynch do a couple of songs, and Allison Brown plays one of them with us. Oh, man. And so they're doing some stuff for that next year, and so I've been working with them about on that sort of stuff. That's awesome. Do you know when that's coming out? Probably also in the spring is okay. when the record will be out. The book is already out, um, and yeah. they just had a Kickstarter. I just... Um, saw yesterday some of the Kickstarter rewards. One of the things that John did was he wore a vest all the time and carried around like dozens of uh, 3x5 index cards that he would write notes on, just about everything from like his grocery lists to song charts to song ideas to song lyrics to stories people would tell him. And um, a lot of my job is just scanning those note cards. There's probably 20,000 of them. Um why didn't you just use an iPhone? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 um, but so one of the Kickstarter rewards was there was these there was a bunch of them labelled fiddle devices and it was all just um advice that different fiddle players had given him about Boeing or um you know, ha- when you're crossing strings or droning, it's just lots of different little tidbits of information. And so one of the Kickstarter rewards was a deck of about 60 of those cards. Wow. Um, wow. That was scanned. That's so cool. It's That's amazing. Yeah, and so there. Now that they've gone, it, he had a lot of stuff, and it took a long time to go through. But now that they've pretty much gone through it, they've been releasing a
0: lot of stuff like that. That's so cool, dude! The Kickstarter stuff. You know who's the the king of the Kickstarter is David Benedict, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. His last one, he put out that book for the Golden Angle, and it seemed yeah. like every every other dad's getting emails like, <laughs> "Next level, <laughs> Matt. Here's the thing. I'm like, holy cow, dude. Yeah. he's, he's got a job. If, if this Manta doesn't work out for him, he's got a job as a uh, Kickstarter representative. Man. (laughs) man well you know what since we're since we're talking um mandolins and we're talking about john harford and some some advice i should say that that he had uh, you guys have some great mandolin advice we have a mandolin i can grab mine for you if you'd like to pick it and um there's a couple mics here and maybe we could just go over some things that some of the favorite things that you guys kind of work on i know a lot of the listeners love the uh or i mean i don't know if it's uh
1: oh yeah yeah try try out this this other mandolin
0: He's got a couple a couple winemans here actually, oh, if you cool. wanna do. It. Sure. All right. So you guys wanna you guys might put some mandolins in the hand? We can just talk some mandolin sort of stuff and cool sure. with you guys?
1: Absolutely. Let's do that.
0: And then uh yeah, we can just I'll just keep this running here and then I can edit it up. Hey everybody, this is Dan. I'm jumping in real quick because as we were doing the mandolin thing, Tristan started telling a great story about the vest that John Hartford wore, but he was off mic, but he comes back near the microphone as the story's uh picking up a little bit. So that's where I'm gonna take it from. Um, It's just a great story. So, anyway, fading in here to uh, Tristan Scroggins talking a bit about John Hartford's vest where he used to keep all the note cards.
2: It's like this... It's similar to this vest that I have on. It's like a canvas vest, but it had... It was specially made so it had so many pockets in it. Mm. And he had torn so many other pockets into it, too. It was... And there was also these two, like, innor- like really big pockets on the inside for maps for all the riverboat stuff.
0: Wow! Get out of here! He's just a big nerd, really. That's so. amazing. That's the best part. Jerry was saying it was off mic a little bit, but he said that you had heard that he wore two vests at one point because he had so many index cards.
1: Right. And I, I don't know if if that that is true, but I I heard that I heard that from Mark Schatz, who who played in John's band. He said that he was just constantly writing anything down. Uh, What I heard, it was like songwriting, you know, mostly based around songwriting, but apparently grocery (laughs) grocery lists and that kind (laughs) of stuff too. So just anything. (laughs) And uh, apparently he filled up the vest and didn't want to leave it at home. So he just wore another vest that is awesome, <laughs> but I don't know it sounds like he had a lot of pockets in that one So maybe <laughs> maybe he eventually converted to, right, right. to, to one. Yeah, it, oh
2: man, he had this there's There's a little manifesto that's also that he typed up that's going out with the cards too, of like how to use them and he talks about he had like a whole it was like a filing cabinet where he would use colored index cards to like mark where certain things were, because a lot of them were songwriting. But then, like, there'll be files, like shorter files, that are just like his list of things to bring on the plane, or like his directions wow. to a gig or something like that. How how was his handwriting on those cards? It's pretty good. He explains that like the way that he held a pencil, like really pointed, like this, and he would actually have index cards with me.
0: Yes, he so look at he this would, like.
2: If you hold them like a deck of cards like this, then you can hold them like this. You can hold them where the deck of cards is supporting um, the top card. And you can just kind of write. If you keep your elbows loose, you can kind of do anything while you're writing on them, like clog or drive (laughs) or... So they're pretty good, but it is actually interesting in the um, in the book the fiddle tune book All of the sheet music is just the it's just straight scans pulled from his handwriting of the tunes And you can tell which ones he wrote on the road because they're
0: shakier (laughs) because you can see the bumps in the road Wow Dude, that is so cool you do a lot. You do a lot of like archivist sort of things. It looks from your from your Instagram like you had just gotten some, sp- like like the real deal sort of gloves for holding. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, t- t- <laughs> what all What all do you do that for? Besides obviously for the Hartford thing, but you do it for like some some bluegrass, publications, yeah. correct? I kind of.
2: Um, um. I've never seen Indiana Jones, so I don't know if I can make that comparison. But <laughs> he, he was just a freelance archaeologist, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't see Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh I I did I, I've been archiving a bunch of bluegrass unlimited stuff uh and I keep meaning to put out a press release about it. But I have about a decade of it archived and on on a website right now that's I'm working on getting a better cataloging system set mm-hmm. up for it cuz it's um I was just, when I was doing my some writing for magazines and stuff, I have all of the Bluegrass Unlimiteds, but, like, there's no way to search through them without physically pulling them all out and looking through them. Right, right. So I scanned all the covers and um, uh, wrote, typed out all of the table of contents and also transcribe the general store, which is like a monthly kind of recap of what was happening in the community. Um, And I have about a decade of that up online right now, but you know, it's 50 years of magazines. So, What's the website? I think it's bluegrassunlimitedindex.weebly.com. <laughs>
0: Perfect. <laughs> I'll have you send me a link, and I'll post it when we post this episode, and I'll put it on my website as well, so then that way if anybody wants to check it out, they can, uh, they you can check it out because I'm sure the interest is there. Yeah, I was just doing it
2: for me mostly, but I put it out there in case anybody needs to do some archival stuff. But I've been running that Instagram page, to Vintage Bluegrass Unlimited Covers, just because it's uh, – they're really cool looking, and I thought people would enjoy seeing those. Yeah, that's things. awesome, oh, man. That's you? That is me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Look at that. This is a world exclusive, <laughs> me admitting that it's me. <laughs> oh,
0: man. Amazing. That's awesome. So let's go. You want to pull that mic up just yeah. a little bit, Tristan, towards there? So we have two winemans out here right now. So um, so I guess uh, let's go, Jared, here. You got it out. What are some of your, um, I mean, you you have such great double stops, obviously. That's one of the things, like, when I had first did a podcast with you, somebody had posted well after the podcast was done, you better ask him about double stops. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I kind of did. I don't know if I, if I did that enough to, um, to satisfy the question, but if you have, like, if some exercises you might want to play or do some examples
1: of some double stops so you got that beautiful mandolin there. Oh, uh, well, you know, double stops, it's a uh – It's as much a right hand as it is a left hand exercise. And one of the toughest things about doing double stops and and tremolos is just coming out of it gracefully. Sure. That's something that I'm always trying to get better at, you know, because there are some people like, I feel like David Grisman has really just honed in (laughs) on, I've never heard him not get out of it. Double stop gracefully. Right. But, but it's really easy to get tripped up because you're kind of breaking the time. Absolutely. A little bit. But, you know, I uh, say I'm in the key of G, I, I generally use uh, three or four different double stops. Mm-hmm. So in the first position, I, I would do something like this. Maybe move up to the second position the third position you can always add a note on top make it a a suspended or whatever whatever you want to do yeah yeah um but there there's no real right or wrong way to do it sure um but that's a that's a pretty traditional double stop Mm -hmm. you know That's all notes within the within the scale. You know, it's just right, the, right. the the first and the third, or the you know the fifth. Like one one mm-hmm. of you know one of those combinations of things. Right, G, D, or B there. Right. For, the,
0: for those who can't obviously see, like we're <laughs> looking at. But yeah.
1: Right. Absolutely. But um. But yeah, I I don't know. There's.
0: Like, what are some of the things that you work on? It let's say just just the idea of coming out of it gracefully is there a way that you try to work on that like do you go from double stops into single notes or double stops into chords or is it just kind of like you just kind of run the double
1: stops and well (laughs) yes (laughs) it's it's a it's a it's a delicate kind of thing it really helps to use a metronome when you're doing it sure or to try and slow down what somebody else is doing Mm mm-hmm something that you really like to hear but as as far as that goes sometimes if you if you count out the number of double stops uh the the amount of tremolos that is Mm -hmm. it it ends up sometimes being an odd number it's it's a strange thing because you know you can do you can do a double stop that's right on the beat and in the same timing you can go you can put a rhythm into it, right right. And you can emphasize little things like that, or you know you can be playing this fast, and you can just completely just abandon it and just And you kind of have to tap your foot while you're doing it. <laughs> sure. Or you can really get lost in there, which I've, I've done many times. <laughs> right um, it's, it's kind of a trial and error thing. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of yeah. how, how I approach it. Awesome, that's great.
0: How about you, Tristan? How about uh, you? Got any double stop? I mean, double stop secrets seems to be, you know, one of the things that people love about the mandolin. The other thing I noticed though, in, is it's also one of the things that seems to get abandoned in some of like modern mandolin players, where it seems to be more single note fast licks and like one of the awesome things about the mandolin, in my opinion, is the double stop. Like especially, mm-hmm. like Monroe stuff. I forget what we were listening to. It was in the car the other day, yesterday, it just had like a playlist going. It was a Monroe tune. I must have rewound it like four times. I was like mm-hmm. that's so great. Yeah, oh, it's you know. the best. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. how how about you? Do you have any uh, things you use for for double stops? That kind of that you work on or that you've worked on that you found helped you out?
2: Yeah, I I kind of spent some time trying to learn stuff from fiddle players because I mean that's a lot of what Bill was trying to emulate with that double stop stuff it's just fiddle sound and i spent a while like just transcribing like bobby hicks solos from the um bluegrass album band stuff and and trying to figure out what he was doing and i mean people like bobby or buddy spike or dale potter all have like you know pretty legendary sort of double stop ideas most of which are pretty over my head but (laughs) but they definitely um Listening to those guys and also listening to other great double stop mandolin players like Bill or, um, like Roland White or Dempsey Young.
0: Um, there's Dempsey Young. There's one that doesn't get up, brought, get up, brought often. Great player, man.
2: Super great player. Yeah. And, And just listening to how they use, they use double stops and just kind of, uh, have, uh, sort of casual sort of drone in there a lot of times Mm -hmm. like just (laughs) Um, just kind of giving it more of a a body without it being like um, it's sort of a reined in sort of jangle Um, but the the thing that I kind of Well, what I usually teach people is, if you're going through the scale and you're just kind of looking for um, thirds and fifths, Mm -hmm. so in G, you have G, B, and D. So you start with G, and try to figure out if you can play a B or a D note with it. You can't really play a B note with this D, or with this G, but you can play a D note. And then if you move to B, you look for a D note, which you can do open, and then a G note and then you go to the D, look for a G. You can't do it with the open string, but if you play it at the 7th fret of the G string, you can do it there, and if you play the 7th fret of the G string and the ninth fret of the D string, you can get a B. You just kind of go through like that, Yeah. just getting familiar with them. But then to make them more musical, um, I've had people transcribe... um, the phrasing of the singer, uh, but on the mandolin. So taking like, um, oh, I, it's too early for me to think of a good example, but <laughs> yeah. but you know, taking a song and listening to, listening to how the fiddle player plays it, but also listening to how um, the singer is singing it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of expression in that. And you can add that expression in. A lot of times it's just as easy as instead of playing you can go just sliding into it yeah, a little bit yeah. can really change how it um, how it feels absolutely and so yeah. just giving it a little bit more of that getting comfortable enough with the idea of then that you can Add small things. It's not really, it's not big things that really make mm-hmm. a big difference. Sure. It's usually just like these, these little tiny things. Absolutely. Yeah. Those mm-hmm.
0: things, for me anyway, those are the things that seem to catch my ear too when you're listening to something. Somebody just throws in like that, like a little slide, or, you know, it sounds like, you know, it could be, it sounds like almost like the, the craziest thing you've ever heard till you go back and listen to it again. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. But that's like those little things that seem to make, you know, some of the great stuff stand out. So. So are there any tricks speaking of those or any little tricks that you like to teach when you're doing when you're doing um lessons for anybody or anything like that? Are there any cool little techniques that you're kind of like Tristan scroggins I mean obviously your cross picking stuff is uh, is is great, but are there any things that you like to always kind of show pointers to people that give them a little advantage? Yeah, I
2: usually teach people this exercise that my dad taught me um and Sharon Gilchrist also showed me that it's just it would be, it would be a little arduous to explain in an audio, in an audio medium.
0: <laughs> sure, you I can. Know, uh, you know what I can do is I can. Uh, I have this. Sure. In, I have this digital index card <laughs> thing here that I'm gonna. I'll do this, and then maybe what we can do is post this on the website. If that, if you're cool sure. with that. Yeah. Speaking of Sharon Gilchrist, Sharon, she's going to be in town. Oh. Um, coming up here, I don't know if you know that or not. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. So.
2: Oh right. When well, yeah. She was just on the show, wasn't she? She was just on the show.
0: Great. That's, <laughs> thanks, man. I'm glad you. Yeah, so this little thing makes me so happy when like somebody notices stuff <laughs> like that. So, all right. So I'm turning my. Oops. Taking a photo won't help either. So, all right. I'm videotaping yeah. this. So he's going to show us an exercise. And if you go to mandolinsandbeer.com, this video will be available. So this is mostly a left
2: hand exercise. The right hand is always just playing down, up, down, up, and you kind of keep track of that, just making sure you're always going down, up, down, up. But just on two strings for now, it just sounds like. So that much is, you're just playing the first four frets chromatically, and you're using all four fingers. And so the first move is to go up. And when you're doing this, you're leaving your fingers down every time you play the note you're not picking them up in between the notes Mm -hmm. so it's index middle ring pinky and so all four fingers are down on the string right now. and you're starting on an upstroke so up down up down did i do up down it shouldn't be okay down up down up okay sorry (laughs) and then you're going to go backwards and this time you're only going to pick one finger up at a time so you're going to play the pinky pick up only the pinky play the ring And so at this point, my fingers are also only, they're less than an inch away from the string. They're not out here at Mm -hmm. all. They're just staying close. And then the next part is working on dexterity. So the pattern is index, pinky, ring, pinky. So when I did that, I kept my index finger down because I don't need to pick it up Mm -hmm. and I put only my pinky down and I'm picking only my pinky up and putting my ring finger down and I'm putting my pinky finger back down and my ring finger is back down so three fingers are down and that was index, pinky, ring, pinky, and then middle, pinky, ring, pinky, so then all four fingers are down. Got it. And then when you move to the next string you only pick up one finger at a time. Oh, wow. So your index finger is the only one on the D string, but the other three fingers are still on, on the G string. Just thinking about that, almost made you fall out of the chair. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can keep going. And then you can slide up and do it on the next set of frets. And go back across etc that's awesome so the idea is kind of three things you're kind of working with the dexterity of going in between all the fingers and the different combinations Mm -hmm. you're working on keeping your finger fingers close to the fingerboard like when you're lifting them off not taking them too far away which helps with when you're playing fast every time you take a finger far away that takes energy and you need just as much energy to bring it back to the string and um, I also think it keeping your fingers down behind notes helps with the tone a little bit because it's easier if you're playing something like if you pick up your fingers in between if you're, unless your timing is unbelievable essentially there's gonna, it's gonna cut the note off in between and you don't, sometimes you do want that but you don't always want if you want something to sound really full, not picking up that note, so those notes are A, B, D, if you pick up your f- finger from playing the B note before you play the D note, it's just going to cut it off short. And. My dad always used to say that you should be able to drive a train in between every note, which <laughs> doesn't mean anything, and it was a very confusing thing for him to say. <laughs> but I th- when I kind of started to figure out this, that like, keeping my fingers down more, and, and um, that that helped the tone, and it helped every note ring as much as it needed to in that space, um, yeah. that kind of
0: made that make a little bit more sense to me. Awesome. That's great, man. How about you, Jared? Do you have any uh, exercise? Like, do you, do you do lessons and stuff too? I mean, you're—I know you're pretty busy on the road, so I don't know that that's. A...
1: I've I've taught a few camps. Oh, I, cool. I did I did Nash Camp, which is. On the outskirts of Nashville. Mm-hmm. I went there as a kid, actually, so it was really cool to, go back there as a teacher. Yeah. I guess I was two years ago. Oh, cool. Um, but I I don't I don't do a whole lot of teaching anymore, just because. I'm generally not home a lot and when I'm home, I want to just be home <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> sure, don't really want to teach on my, on my time off. Right, right. Um, kind of defeats the purpose of time off. <laughs> but one, one little exercise that I try to teach my students, it's more, it's more of a right hand exercise than anything. Well, almost, almost entirely right hand. Um, and it's just it's playing up down, trying to play up down, and going through every string open with your with your hand off the off the your right your uh, left hand that is off the mandolin, and just play the strings open like this, in as good of time, and as evenly as you can get it. So there's that. And then I would try to get them to do different combinations, say uh, the the G, the D, the A, and then the D, the A, and the E. So for example, start again. Try another combination, skipping a string and doing the G, the A, the D, and the E. And, you know, there are so many different combinations here, you know. Right, I'm right. not very good at math, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's something to do with four times four, you know, or <laughs> something like that. Amy, uh, is that ma- mathematically correct? No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> something like that, but, you know. And do it slow until you can get it clean. There's no reason to do it as fast as I'm doing right now. Sure. Do it with the metronome. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not playing in any particular time right now. And sure, it, sure. And to really get the most out of this exercise, you should be doing it to a metronome or, you know, if you're foot tapping skills are excellent then (laughs) that that should work too (laughs) right right but it it really just helps kind of free your right hand and get your get your wrist uh allow your wrist to think for itself I don't use a metronome as much as I preach it I don't use it as much as I should because you know it's it's, it's not very fun to play with a metronome. <laughs> sure, sure. It's very beneficial, but if you're just sitting at the house. Right, right. Uh, it's, you know, it's like you know, it's studying. Oh, yeah. That's what For it sure. is. You yeah. know, it's, and it, it'll really help you, but it's, it's sometimes hard to break it out and, yeah. and really just stick with it. But it, it's the best thing you can do, one of the best things you can do.
0: I'm guessing you've put some time in with a metronome, though.
1: I have. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So for you, for you, it might not be as, you know what I mean? Like for you too, it might be uh, not as important. Like, because you can tell from your playing, you've got a pretty, both you guys have pretty, uh, pretty internal, good internal clocks, I think, was, which is pretty helpful, which shows you've done some metronome work, you, know, you Well,
1: you could probably, you guys could probably get away with a little less metronome work than some people. You can you can play with a metronome or you can just, you know, play with Sam Bush, you know, <laughs> yeah. play along with that, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. one of the two, one right, of the two right. will work. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: That's the thing too, play along with the recording if you're going to, mm-hmm. you know, cause at least you're getting, it's metronomic, it might not be played to metronome, but it's probably pretty, pretty close. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm going to check my phone here real quick too, while well, I've got my phone out because earlier I did post on um, Instagram and Facebook. I wasn't sure if you were coming, Tristan. So I got to Jared's Billy's the Billy Strings page to ask a couple questions, and some people did respond. So do you mind if I ask you a couple questions from fans? <laughs> sure. All right, man. The first one is: um, Can you talk a little bit about the Walker brothers?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm the middle Walker brother. <laughs> okay. Uh, my brother Corey is. Two years older than me, and he plays banjo and does some stuff with uh with Tim O'Brien and oh, cool. Peter Rowan and mountain Heart you know the dillards he's he played for several years with Sierra Hall um, yeah he's a he's a great player um, my younger brother Tyler's a great player as well um, and we we just you know we we grew up playing together obviously you Mm -hmm. know when when we were living in the same house now we all live in nashville we grew up about an hour east of tampa right right we don't get to play very many shows together because we're all doing our own thing Mm -hmm. so generally during the holidays we'll try to do a few shows if we can make it happen sure and we'll be doing that this year uh there are, I'd, I'd have to check the schedule but they're, they're all in the, the Tampa area oh cool and this will be January early January so anybody oh, nice. anybody listening to this yeah man I, I guess if this podcast is coming out in early January yeah hopefully January 1st January 1st yeah that's what I'm shooting for well then in that case uh, I'll have to get you the information yeah please so. do
0: and I'll post the I'll, at the beginning of this podcast I will tell the days and at the end to put a link to them for sure man um the the same gentleman um he wants to know this might be a little bit of a a uh, real wide question but there were two about your how much of what you guys do when you play when you stretch out is improv and how you approach that. That's killing two birds with
1: one stone on this question. Right. Right. Getting two birds stoned at once. That's right. <laughs> well, as as far as improvising you know, we'll we'll play we'll play a song. Uh, if if it's a if it's a song like, I don't know. There's we play a song called "Meet Me at the Creek," mm, yeah, which is one of Billy's earliest uh, quote hits. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can have a hit in bluegrass, <laughs> you know, that might be one. But that's that's a song where there are. A, a few things that are structured in it mm-hmm. and we have a little we have little musical cues so we'll kind of we'll we'll play the song until this point and then it's my turn to take a solo and the solo goes as long as I want it to go until I pass it on to Billy mm-hmm. either cool just physically like nodding to him or just or he decides to take it Mm -hmm. it's it's a pretty open-ended thing and so he'll he'll play his solo pass it on to uh the banjo player the other billy other billy Billy failing (laughs) and billy failing has a musical cue that kind of leads us back into the vocals of the song cool So that that one's a little bit more structured. It feels really loose Mm -hmm. um, because that might be that could be ten minutes of improvising or just jamming, and it's really just jamming over the key of E, really. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are other times where we don't we we don't plan what the jam is going to sound like. We'll just get up there and say, "Okay, we're going to do this song into this song, into this song, and you know, we'll we'll find a way to get there." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just kind of works itself out. And sometimes when you keep it a little looser like that, it'll make it sound more together. Sure. As opposed to, okay, we're going we're going to do we're going to do a diamond here and here and here and if one person doesn't get it then it really stands out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and every every night we're we're trying to do a a different set list. We don't regurgitate set lists. There's yeah. they're they're always written every night uh differently I don't think we've played the same set list Probably. ever.
0: Yeah that's awesome.
1: Um because a, a lot of these a lot of these people who are coming to the shows might come for the entire tour, which is, you know, if, you, if you're coming for an entire tour, right. you don't want to see the same show again. <laughs> sure. And even though if if we did approach it that way, it might be tighter and we might, in our minds, have a better performance, but the people listening, those people... They want to they hear something fresh and something new, and they kind of like it when, when you feel like, when the music feels like it, it's about to fall off the edge, yeah. but you don't. Right, right. You know, it, it keeps it a little, a little fresher and a mm-hmm. little bit exciting, and we don't really know sure. what's going to happen. It's awesome. So um, for
0: people not familiar with the diamonds, when you say uh, there's going to be a diamond here, diamond here, a diamond here,
1: so that's just uh, that's just a, a term that I, I believe it comes about when you're writing charts. Mm-hmm. You'll put a little diamond around the number yeah. of, uh, you know, the Nashville number system mm-hmm. is like, you know, G is 1. Right, right. 4 is C. D is 5. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's kind of the way that works. Well, 1 is your home key, whatever that is. Right. And if it is G, that's the way it would work. But you put, a, you put a diamond around the five. So that means you know, you're going G, C, stop on the five. Yes. You know, so that's just where that comes from,
0: I, diamond. Yes. I, I have a funny story how I learned what a diamond was. Is, uh, do you know what Daniel Donato is? He's like a Nashville dude, killer tele player. Mm-hmm. He had come to Charleston, and a friend of mine was like, oh, man, you should come and sit in with him. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that'd be awesome. So he's like a shredder like there's on a telecaster. So like playing a mandolin with a guy who's plugged into like a super reverb a little bar. I'm like already like, oh, this is going to be tough. And he's so nice. And he's like, um, he's like, uh, what do you want to do, man? And I'm like, I don't know. You want to do like Freeborn Man? He's like, yeah, started from the diamonds. I have no idea what it meant at the time. I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, boy, I don't know what I just agreed to. <laughs> yeah. Brad, do you have any questions for Tristan that you want to uh, Facebook message me real quick or anything? I feel bad because I didn't put anything. But do you have a question that you would love to know from Tristan while we're here? I'd post it on the Billy Strings page for Jared, and I, yeah. I feel like, a, yeah. I'm a buddy, Brad Edwardson, that I play with this here.
1: Talk about a little bit because you're good at
0: that. So what Brad Edwardson on Facebook here is – uh said is he wants to know Tristan if you could talk a little bit about cross picking that'd be great he'd love to know more about that yeah um, it's been about a year since I started trying to figure
2: that stuff out Um, because I was on this long Germany tour I just had a lot of free time and I was just learning Jesse McReynolds stuff by ear and he he did such I mean he's He's just so good, um, and what I what I do feels like it really pales in comparison to some of the stuff that he would come up with. But I'd always done a little bit of cross-picking, um, just, you know, in passing. Something kind of pretty sounding like that, but yeah. I mean, I also really love the banjo. I mean, my dad's a great banjo player, and I, I started on the banjo, and I, I really love the Banjo, and I would learn a lot of banjo tunes. Originally, a lot more like um, progressive banjo tunes, like Bela Fleck tunes. I think in my high school talent show, I played um, Another Morning, which is from the Double Time record.
0: Oh, cool. (laughs)
2: But so that was something I kind of figured out early on, was this kind of droning using two strings. Which is kind of, it has the same sort of, um, with the banjo, the roll always kind of, somebody described it to me once as like um, an egg rolling, where it's it's constantly moving forward, but there's kind of a lilt to it, there's kind of a wobble. And I've never, I don't know if I've ever actually tried to write out. But it's just, when you're doing a banjo roll, you're playing three notes over 4-4, and so you have to kind of even it out at some point. And that's just ingrained in my brain from growing up around my dad, so this was really easy. So I would do stuff like... kind of figure out melodies with having this bouncing rhythm so then when I started trying to figure out these cross-picking arrangements that I've been putting together I wanted to I heard somebody play I think it was the mandolin player and the Cache Valley Drifters I think I'm not positive Um, he played this kind of floating guitar sort of riff and I, I I was obsessed with trying to figure out how to do it. I couldn't remember what he did, and I didn't have a recording of it, so I, I just kind of, I took the, or something like that, and I started to try to figure out how I could play those notes without playing the same string twice, so. So I would do, instead of going on the E string, five, four, five, open, I would do five, and then the 11th fret on the A string. And then the open E string. Which has two back to back notes, but um, that was as close as I could get. Oh. And then figuring out the rest of it like that. Nice. And then as I started to learn, I can't remember what the first kind of things I figured out were. Um, I think I did like Cluck Old Hen. No, I don't remember it now. It's been a year. (laughs) Yeah, no worries. but, um, But I would just try to take the melody and try to figure out how to do that. So with like Cherokee Shuffle. And then I would add in a roll i do my role backwards from jesse i played down down up pretty consistently Mm -hmm. with the roles and i got to sit in with an interview with jesse and he talked about when he was developing his cross-picking style he heard earl scruggs on the radio and he um was trying to figure out how to play like that on the mandolin but the only banjo player he knew at the time was this local guy who was also trying to figure out how to play like Earl. <laughs> but he had, his, he had his banjo strung wrong. So he was playing what sounded like a forward roll, but it was a backwards roll because his banjo was strung wrong. Oh, wow. So he just learned a backwards roll from this guy and like kind of just was doing that before he ever met anybody who was doing it right.
0: No kidding. Uh, and so that so that's was kind cool.
2: of... So cool. Of, um, yeah. And so, I mean, Jesse's stuff, I can't really do, he, cause he's going, so he's going down, up, up, and that's pretty difficult for me. But he, I mean, he was just so creative with how he would take the melody and put it into that format, like, um, um, what's that one? Um, um, oh yeah. Dill pickle rag, he would do. Um.
0: Um. <laughs> that that roll like that at the end is so- so nice. It's so
2: it's, nice. It, it's, it, it took so long to figure, <laughs> to figure out how he was doing that. And there's so much stuff that I just can't believe. And every time I start to like think I've got it, I'll find a live recording of him doing it twice as fast and something completely different and just wow. off the cuff. I mean, he's amazing. And I don't really know as much about his style as the stuff that I've worked on on my own. There's mm-hmm. lots of people who have dedicated a lot more time to learning about exactly what Jesse was doing, like Jordan Ramsey and... Um, Jesse's grandson, whose name I've forgotten. Uh, I can't remember it, but, but my stuff was just kind of trying to... It was more like Bill Keith's sort of banjo style of taking all the melody notes and just trying to find a way to play them. Right. Um, and then adding roles in there. Awesome, man. Sometimes.
0: Sounds so good. Thanks. Yeah, man. Thank you. And then uh, another question on here. Frank Wakefield. Have you ever met Frank Wakefield? Never have. Never have. I would love to. Yeah. So good. Tristan, have you? Never met him. So good. Very good. Goodness, yeah. Cool Did stuff.
2: You, <laughs> do you know um, Avery Merritt? I don't think so. Great mandolin fiddle player from L.A. He's living in Boston now. Um, he posted a video of him putting a mandolin in the oven. Because <laughs> that there's a great Frank Wakefield. I mean, it legend but i'm pretty sure confirmed true i've definitely heard the story yeah of him putting his mandolin in the oven to i guess torify what they now call torifying just kind of dry it out and make it sound better
1: his lloyd lore
0: mandolin that is yeah. really we the mandolins of beer podcast by the way does not recommend uh, <laughs> sticking any m- mandolins in the oven going to point i'm going to put that out there real quick cuz i don't want to i don't want to go viral for anything like that <laughs> yeah so it's,
2: it's my friend Avery put he had a um he for some reason he had just this cheap mandolin and he put it in the oven for like 350 for like 10 minutes and he said it sounded a little bit better afterwards really so
0: I still don't recommend it but yeah um. no kidding <laughs> smelled great yeah right <laughs> um I should say um, I should uh, plug this a little bit here real quick too we're sitting at Smith and Lentz Brewery, which thanks to Dominic Leslie, he's actually the one who made the contact to, uh, oh, nice. to get here. But we're drinking some, some beers here, courtesy of Smith & Lentz. Uh, Jared and I are drinking a red IPA. Uh, how have you been enjoying it so far? I know it's pretty early. but
1: It, it is early, but it, it's good. It's yeah. good. I'm the, really nursing this one. That's all right, uh, man. I'm on <laughs> number seven. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's
0: why I'm laying down. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, Brad, you had the, uh, my buddy Brad's here. What are you drinking over there, Brad? The German Pilsner. And that's, that's your seventh as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. And then you're driving right after this? Is that I'm go Chattanooga. Chattanooga? So, yeah, he's just adds some. Yeah, he's driving a uh, bright red. Ra- just kidding. Yeah, it's, a sec- <laughs> it's a second one, though. Enjoying it. My wife is here as well. She's doing some social media work for me. And she's drinking a, the biggest mug of any of us, <laughs> by the way. What is that? It's a lager, it's a lager as well. So in the lager mug nice. <laughs> and how is that? good well Brad's got a was no, just kidding it's Pilsner. Never mind. So it's, it's these beers getting me and Tristan obviously if I could get you like a coffee or anything though too for, for coming here I'd be more than welcome to maybe actually I might have a water yeah would, you, would, would somebody get Tristan a water would that be cool uh, well I think um, I think unless there's anything else that you guys would like to plug maybe we can um, end this this version of the podcast and um, maybe do a little picking that would be cool with you guys Absolutely. Awesome. Um, anything, Tristan? I know you kind of plugged your stuff, but anything that you want to be sure people go and check out?
2: Yeah. Oh, you know, this is coming out on January 1st, so this will be a little sneak pre. Maybe I should get my act together. So I was planning on releasing it on January 7th, which is my birthday. Oh,
0: all right, man. Happy birthday ahead of time.
2: Thanks. You're welcome. Um, But I've been. I'm going to put out a Patreon page.
0: Oh, sweet.
2: I. I kind of, because I support some people on Patreon, but it's never seemed like a model that would work for me. But Mm -hmm. since I've been posting all these videos of me learning these tunes, um, I've just been trying to learn as many, like, instrumental tunes as I can and just kind of be like those fiddle players that just weirdly know, like, every tune somehow. So I've been doing that, and a lot of people have shown a lot of interest in in, in that, and also have been interested in... um, you know, me talking more about how I go about learning them and asking for sheet music and asking for things like that. Yeah. And I couldn't really think of a way that I could accommodate that, but uh, I figured out through Patreon a way that I can accommodate that. So I'm starting a Patreon page where I'll still keep posting those videos to the different platforms, mm-hmm. but um, if if you want to support the page, which... You know the starting point is just three dollars a month um you'll have access to more like exclusive sort of like practice sessions and videos of that and then there are higher tiers that involve having sheet music to some of the things and having um video lessons and discounts on stuff and so that's and all that's going to be on my website just tristanscroggins.com you can find
0: all that stuff awesome when it goes live i'll be sure to 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 put the word out as well I will 100% be a patron to that page <laughs> thanks <laughs> yeah you're welcome I've also been revamping
2: my website in general to have more of what I've what's going on in my life and musical career and um, talk about less and stuff more I'm teaching at I think like 10 or 11 camps next oh, year Nice. and so I'm trying to put all that up there and I'm also trying to get a lot of free educational stuff up on there that I've kind of amassed over time of like just little
0: exercises and videos and stuff like that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Great. How about you, Jared? I don't know, probably a lot of touring, more touring in 2020. That's right. <laughs> that's,
1: that's pretty much it. I don't, uh, I don't have anything to plug other than those shows with my brothers. Yeah. Uh, coming up in January. Awesome. Yeah. But, but Yeah if you if you stay in one place long enough i'll probably come to you with billy strings (laughs) (laughs) right on
0: that's awesome man both you guys i can't tell you how much i appreciate it um coming out and again a, a day off day off it really means a lot and uh i really appreciate both you guys were early early episodes on the podcast and really having you guys take the time to do that really helped us be as successful as it has so i really really appreciate it so thank you so much all right. Thanks for listening. Um, sometime here by the end of the week, I should have those tracks posted. I'll post about it on Instagram, Facebook, and they should be on YouTube. mandolinsabeer.com. Be sure to subscribe. And um, next week, Kim Warner from Green Cars and Robert Earl Keene. All right. Happy 2020. Cheers.